Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer, in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come at her. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! victory. <laughs> And welcome back to the Shannon Rollison podcast for 2022. We're back. We're in business. And I've got the man himself, Mr. Shannon Rollison, with me. Shannon, welcome back, mate. You must be excited to get back on the podcast for a new year. Yeah, a little bit nervous, Robbie. <laughs> yeah, did you know how to turn your Zoom on and get the mic set up? I haven't done this in about three months. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> well. No, yeah. Uh, it came back to me. I wasn't sure about the mic. The mic's the tricky thing, you know. So, um, <laughs> but no, all good. Um, did you have a good Chrissy? Yeah, I did. It was um, it was pretty quick around our house. Is is Christmas? We've got families all over the place with you know different you know mums and dads separated and all that sort of stuff. So I always equate our Christmas to the Four Holidays movie with Vince Vaughn, where they've got to see like four or five different families in one day. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of our our reality. So we're just getting around and. By the time you sit down on like Boxing Day night with a drink, that's that's when I really feel like it's Christmas because I can actually just relax. What about yourself? How was uh, Christmas with you and the family? Yeah, it was good. Um, we, we had ours here, but we went up to Queensland the week before because it was um, Elsbeth's parents' fiftieth wedding anniversary. So uh, congratulations to them. It was it was a good weekend. We spent a um, couple of days with them. Then we shot across. Uh, to um, my uh, my family and um, uh, we we celebrate my son's 18th. Mm. Uh, he's born on the 22nd, and my brother's youngest son is born on the um, on the 18, uh, 22nd as well. But he's one year younger, so, so that was nice. But yeah, I, I hear you with the whole Christmas thing. It can be quite hectic, eh? Like if we go to you know. Uh, to Brisbane on for Christmas Day, you know, you've got to share. It's either, you know, is it half and half? And, and <laughs> Elle's parents are way out uh, north in, in Samford. Mm-hmm. And then mine are way sort of um, Redland Bay area. So it's like it's nearly an hour's trip and yep. across Brisbane. And, um, you know, you try to share it the best you can, but you always know deep down you're thinking, ah, you know, they, you know, they're not happy, quite happy because you know, <laughs> blah blah blah. Yeah. Is anybody you- ever really happy, Shannon? There, even the people you think that are getting more of your time, they're still unhappy at some level <laughs> that they didn't see you the whole time. So, ah, yeah. Uh, so, um, it I happens. Just think it's Canberra Christmas in Canberra is a little bit easier. But so that's what we did. Um, but it was good, you know. So everyone got to see everybody at some stage that week. Um, it was it was quite hard filling out all the forms 
to get into Queensland or into Brisbane. <laughs> and we get to we, we arrive at the airport and there wasn't a single person there to check your form. Nothing. So <laughs> we're, we're almost disappointed. <laughs> I could just imagine your response to just looking around, seeing nobody there. <laughs> uh, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was Cranky Shannon back at that point? <laughs> uh, Ellsworth was. So I got to play cool dude. <laughs> uh, tell me, what's it like uh, having a young fella who's now eighteen? Did it make you feel old, or we uh, mm. did you embrace? Did it feel like times? I mean, my daughter's three, turning four, but I, I feel like. Just, you know, in talking with you guys and lots of other coaches who's, you know, kids are growing up, you know, click your fingers and she's in high school, click your fingers and she's she's in her 20s. Is that what it feels like for you? Yeah. No, it's – I mean, you hear it all the time, don't you? Everyone yeah. says it and it's just so true. Yeah, no, it's um, it, it's gone too fast um, and you sort of at times you think, you know, could I have spent more time, you know? Mm. But like all parents, you do the best you can, juggling, um, you know, you, you, you coaching and or, or whatever the career you you are in. Um, but you certainly don't get the time back. So, uh, so for anyone with you know young family, and, and it's really those first ten years where they want to see you. You know, yeah. I can remember um, coming back from you know a trip and. Um, I remember 08, you know, I travelled, we did, we did camps, we had the Olympics, World Cups and stuff, the Man Ostrom tours, and uh, it was the most I'd ever travelled at that point. Um, and it was 110 days that year. Wow. And I normally averaged about 70. And to average 70, you've got to say no to things, which yeah. doesn't always go down well, but you no. just got to do that. Um, but I remember... Ethan, um, I came home and uh, he was just getting out of the shower or something and he would have been like four or five. And uh, when he saw me, he just collapsed. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, because, you know, probably four weeks or three weeks to them is like an eternity, you know, yeah. when they're young and thinking, is that person coming back? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I hear it myself just with Charlie on the phone. If I'm calling on the way home from work, I can hear in the beat. Is dad coming? Where's dad? Is he here? Is he yeah. home? Where is he? So, I mean, as you said, like, and that's just in a day. Um, I saw it the night before, so I can imagine. Yeah. As you said, with, with that amount of time, I, um, I, uh, the, the sort of best information I got or, or advice was from Tomo, who I had a coffee with. Um, I, I quite often catch up with him just randomly, but maybe twice a year or something for a coffee. And, um, he sort of gave me that advice to make sure you make time to pick him up from school and make time to be there. Just And he, as you just rightly pointed out, it's more that first, you know, 12 years or whatever it is where you don't want to miss that. There comes a point where they're like, Dad, leave me alone. I'll, I'll get there on my own. And then, yeah, you know, that's, that's right. where we're, we're good. But, yeah, those first few years is, is hard. Yeah, so, you know, Ethan doesn't – he doesn't collapse now when, you know <laughs> – <laughs> it hasn't for a while. <laughs> so, um, but I was fortunate to be a young guy around a lot of older coaches who gave me a, a lot of uh, advice mm. and, and a lot of the, the advice that they passed on was mistakes they'd made, you know. And um, I remember Tomo saying that to me and that he read a book. It was about bringing up sons. I can't okay. remember the name of the book, but uh, he said, 
the first page was like, um, make sure you, yeah, you're there, be there. And he thought, all right, I've stuffed up already. Yeah. <laughs> Put the book down. So that's, that's, why, it, that's yeah. what's hard about coaching, you know. Yep. So, um, you know, because uh, and, and being a coach in Australia as well, you know, like um, we have to travel um, uh, a lot um, and uh, and it takes time to get to places, you know. So if you're going to travel overseas, so mm. you've got to allow for that. And that's when, you know, when I was in the UK and and uh, Denmark, not so much the UK because um, I, I just coached in the UK, but I was coaching internationally um, in Denmark, obviously. And but the travel time's just nothing, you know. Yeah. Like uh, it's like traveling to Canberra to Sydney, so um, so much easier. Uh, and having said that, you know, I think the Europeans um, they don't always travel well. Uh, because they probably don't put enough thought into their travelling, you know. Yep. And I think um, whenever they have to travel east uh, for an Olympics and stuff, I, I don't think they do as well as what they, they could have if they had given more thought. Mm. Um, and, you know, 08 in Tokyo, um, I think, you know, from memory, 08 and Tokyo, they, they probably could have had it slightly better uh, Olympics, um, and 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 maybe even in, in Rio, but certainly think um, the Europeans in Europe are more formidable than when they have to travel. Mm. That's an interesting point, mate. Um, yeah, listen, I, I want to um, touch on. Obviously, we here in New South Wales. Selfishly, you know, you and I both coach here in New South Wales. You're down in the ACT, but it's a part of New South Wales in terms of state champs and. Um, I wanted to just get your thoughts on our New South Wales state champs. It got changed due to COVID. It's usually in December, got moved back to January, which was a throwback to how it used to be uh, a while ago, which I used to hate because you'd have all the people say, I'm going on Christmas holidays, I'm going on holidays, and they'd have two or three weeks off and come back and wonder why they weren't getting PBs. Um, so <laughs> December worked a lot better. Unfortunately, as I said, COVID changed it, so we had it in January. Um, I had my thoughts on the week and, and, you know, my team didn't perform overly well. What about yourself? How, how did your guys go? And did you sort of see anything? I know you get to talk to a lot of people. A lot of people sort of pull your ear to the side and, and get some advice from you. Did you see anything from the week? Uh, I, I thought it was good. Um, I was really happy with my group. Um, I had a couple of, couple of standouts, but um, I, I, across the group, they were very solid. Um, and, uh, yeah, for, believe it or not, from the last time we've done our podcast, we've had five stoppages where we've had to go and get COVID tested and stuff. So it was just in incredible. It was like once a fortnight there for a bit. And only last week we had to do it again. Um, the uh, But fortunately they were quite, you know, short turnarounds. I think, the, I think we might have probably all up lost only four days and even and last week we didn't lose anything because uh, we got our test results back within the day uh, between sessions. So, but um, you know, I, I was pretty happy with where my guys were going. And, and you know, I did that presentation for John Shaw about coming out of COVID and how would you go, uh, what would the season look like, and I did that. And 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 I, you know, I think in that plan was just to you know sort of be quite polar up until the states, but. 
I was pretty happy with the way my guys were going, and, and I had an inkling to to start moving forward before states, but probably the um, the interruptions of those that COVID uh, testing and stuff. I thought, no, nah, I'll just I'll just stick with the plan, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I did, and uh, I was pleasantly um, surprised with some of the events, like uh, Kayla Hardy in the four hundred AM and two hundred uh, fly. Um, she dropped four seconds in the 200 fly and seven in that 400 IM. And uh, I was sort of blown away with that. Um, I, I was expecting some good stuff uh, in the 50 hundred area. Um, but, yeah, so I thought it was good. I thought New South Wales as a whole, you know, was, was good. You know, there was, um, there was some really good, you know, performances. You know, girls 15 years, 100 free. Um, she was very impressive. Uh, one of the probably the best 115 year old 100 freestyles I've seen for a number of years. Um, the men's breaststroke in that 16, 17 years that um, the boy went 61. Yeah, boy from SOPAC. I was actually thinking about his name just as you started saying it. Uh, but I can't remember his name, but the boy from SOPAC who's 17. Yeah. And he went, yeah, he went 61 and it, it was a, it was a, a head turning swim even yeah. for me. Yeah. And, um, but just all in all, I didn't talk to that many people. I caught up with you, um, but uh, I, I, what I did differently for the meet is um, I, I, I stipulated a warm up, um, and and I said, uh, you know, I did the warm up in that morning, but I didn't want, I didn't go near that the dive pool. And I said, you, you just warm yourself up. So everyone warms themselves up unless they're in those first couple of events because I just didn't want to go down there with, you know, the whole COVID thing. So we got mm-hmm. in, we went to Sydney, and uh, no one got COVID, um, whatever they want to call it now. So uh, so that was Om- good. Omicron. Yeah. Om- <laughs> so, um, so that was good because I was sort of banking on, right, we just got to go and race because we hadn't raced for so long. Yep. Um, we hadn't hadn't raced since the uh, short course meet in ACT in, in oh, it must have been like mid July. Mm. Um, it's funny, but like uh, my daughter swam, and she's the, the youngest in the group, and and she was pretty rusty. Um, that that was one thing I I did see some of, you know so um, some of the older guys who you know quite seasoned. Um, that they were they were fine uh, with their racing and that my daughter was quite um, tentative I thought and um, we just had ACT champs uh, last weekend yeah yeah just a couple of that four or five days ago and um, and sh- she went much faster again like uh, uh, I think she dropped seven seconds in a two hundred breast and um, she got DQ'd in the in her first race was the two hundred IM. What the best time do? was like 238. She went 235, but she was out quite slow and got DQ'd. And then on the weekend, she went 231. And I think it was just because she'd raced and then she'd backed up another one. Mm. So, um, um, yeah, it hasn't been easy, but I, I think <clears throat> New South Wales is in a good place. Um, I certainly think my squad's in a good place. Um, we've started, um, as I said on that podcast with John, adding the colours. And uh, so, we're climbing the hill, we're climbing the mountain. It's getting a bit treacherous, so you know. Um, 
but that's what we need to do now. We start working on the back end of the races. Um, but, you know, will we be going to trials or Australian championships? Really, for my squad, it's just the Australian championships, um, where they put the trial, you know, whether, whatever you want to call it in April. I think it, because yeah, the Worlds was on and then yeah. it's, it was, it, it got, <laughs> Cancelled, didn't it? Yeah, we, we were going yeah, we to touch on that. And uh, now it's back on. So, um, yeah, but for us, really, that makes neither here nor there. We're, we're racing in April. Um, and, uh, you know, some of my guys are getting ready for that. And then there's that second meet in June for the come of that third spot. And, you know, if, if, if uh, one or two of my guys jump up and put themselves into that sort of area, we'll, we'll have a crack in June. Mm. Um, so, well, it gives you a lot more time, doesn't it? Especially with all the stop start and all that sort of stuff you're talking about. And yeah, it's funny you were saying that we talked about on pool deck, and and I certainly, you know, just a few times just chatting with coaches, just trying to get an idea what sort of work you know you and I talk about sort of keeping it long and easy short and fast for a while and as you said you know you, you nearly wanted to push the put the foot down but then you pull yourself back and mm. I, I think most coaches I spoke to were along the same lines um, there were a few coaches I spoke to that had targeted state and really went hard for it and tapered and and gotten ready but um so it'll be interesting because you know as you said um pool deck you know we've got these grand plans and we think uh, oh you know this will work this is fantastic but come april we could look really really foolish and could be those guys who went really hard and tapered and and they might be you know flying but um yeah i i certainly uh, along the same lines as yourself that that was my plan all along and i think you know um i could base it off and and you got to watch um thankfully i you know you um lent your time mate to watch one of my girls race and i thought she actually swam pretty well considering we haven't really done any threshold work and um we're yeah, her, her second 50 was very good in that 100 free and because i mean she went out a bit too slow yeah um but rate wise it all looked pretty good didn't it and um um i think she turned ninth from yeah, she she turned last, finished fourth, and, yeah, uh, and like, missed a medal by point one. And that's quite hard for a, a youngster because they haven't, um, you know, got the power to be able to change gears and stuff like mm. that. So I, I thought when she turned ninth, although it didn't look hard, and I know, know what you thought. You thought, "What the? F- why is he getting me to watch this shit? <laughs> what has he done?" No, I, I thought. I thought. Oh, uh, I'm not sure if that was in the plan. But she came home like a train, and mm. um, I thought she was quite good. Yeah. So you know, you, you get that with youngsters, don't you? You know, um, as swimmers uh progress through the years they they um and certainly the difference between a national swimmer and an international swimmer is that ability to be able to repeat performance within a small window you know one percent one and a half percent well you know like i'll use my daughter as an example because she's my daughter Mm. well she's like a pinata you know like We can do 20 meter sprints on the, you know, in an afternoon and there can be half a second to 0.7, you know, mm. like um, difference for a 20 meter sprint. So, um, yeah, you know, you got to remember they're only young. And um, but I, I thought she was good, you know, because her second lap was very good. Um, yeah. And her turn of pace and she'll be right. 
Yeah. Speaking of your daughter, mate, gee, she she impressed me in the final of that fifty breaststroke. She was <laughs> she only scraped in, didn't she? She just scraped in. I think she was tenth or ninth to get into the final. Tenth, yeah. And yeah, then she she, she ended she up a nearly PB. Yeah, she did a little PB to, to get there, and um, yeah, uh, finished fourth and dropped a, a whole second in the final. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Even Dad was surprised at that one. <laughs> yeah, mate, she had a good strong kick on her. That's what I noticed. She was she was very very strong, uh, leg dominated. Um, you mentioned before uh, world champs. Let's let's touch on it. Obviously. Cancelled, postponed, back on. I think even change of venue was it? Was it supposed to be in? Was it supposed to be somewhere else, Fukuoka or something? And now yeah. it's in Budapest. And yeah, so what? What have you heard? You're obviously across a lot more of this than I am. People always think I know a lot. It's really I just Google stuff. And <laughs> you're in the know. You actually know what's happening. What have you heard? Well, I'm supposed to be on the national event camp, and um, I had to I had to withdraw from that just basically because um, if I was there, uh, yeah, we could only get five sessions in the week this week. And if I caught COVID up there, because they were testing every day on the camp, and if, if it was late in the week and I, I got tested, then, yeah, I haven't got an assistant coach, so backfilling's a problem for me. So I unfortunately I had to withdraw. So if I was, certainly if I was there, I'd be in a bit more of the loop than what I am from here. But, yeah, Budapest which I think it was 2017, they had the Worlds there. It was a great Worlds. Hungarians love their swimming. So, yeah, um, anywhere other than Australia, um, probably Budapest is be the number one place. Um, so that's that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that the Worlds Champs is on this year. Um, uh, what, is, what does it mean for us? Because I think... Um, you know, we were going to have the world trials in April in Adelaide. Then an email came out and said, well, Worlds is off. So they were still going to have the trials. Uh, and I think they were going to look at just the whoever won that event um, in Adelaide was going to get a selection for the Commonwealth Games. And then the second meet was to divvy up the second and third. Yep. If I understood that correct. So a little bit complicated, but it is what it is. And um, so now Worlds is back on, uh, but they're on on the 18th or they're on in June, which is where we were going to have our second um, trial meet, mm. um, which was going to be in Sydney, wasn't it, or in Monaco if you were in Europe. So, um so yeah, they've got some thinking to do. So uh, do they move trials? Do they move that June? Well, they'll have to move that June meet, I would think. Um, so does that come? Does that Sydney Open move into May? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more moving parts. One, then you just is have it... one trials? You know, and yeah. the top two go to Worlds, and the third spot just waits. Uh, for the Commonwealth Games, which, um, yeah, as you know, one of my favourites. Mm, 2002. That's right. Um, I was going to ask you, mate, obviously, and, and you, you know, you're far more qualified to answer this than than I am. You know, when you, you've been doing this for, for quite a while now, it's just a nice way of saying you're getting older, mate, but you, <laughs> you've... Um, you, you've seen the trials and, and you know, I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel here. There have been world champs and a lot of stuff going on in one year before. 
has it always been this sort of hard to work out? Like, isn't there normally one trials? Is there always a separate event to get somewhere else on a team? I don't know. You know more than me, but it seems like obviously are we complicating it a little bit too much? Yeah. No, it's definitely complicated. Um, and, you know, normally we don't have a World Champs of the Year of the Commonwealth Games. Uh, we have a Pan Packs with the Commonwealth yep. Games. But still... Um, I'm trying to think back into the 90s. I think that was the last time we had a, a pan packs that was solely for that meat. Um, so that was 97 pan packs. And then Commonwealth Games was 98. They must have changed that then. Anyway, so, but yeah, normally they just have the one meat and, um, and you're either, like, like I remember 2006, you had to state whether you were available for both. And um, I had, ooh, well, I, I had like five or six on the Commonwealth Games team. And I, Fran Adcock didn't make the Commonwealth Games team. And um, so I think she was, she must have been like fourth in the backstroke. Um, and she was the only one of my group that went to Pan Pax that year. Mm. So everyone that went to the Commonwealth Games didn't make themselves available for the Pan Pax. So, so that's normally how it sort of went. You had it. Um, you had you know a decision. Then 2010, um, I had people like Blinda Hocking. She went to both meets. Um, but you know Craig Calder, I think he only went to the Pan Packs, so he didn't go to the Common Games. So, um, so yeah. So normally you just get to choose, but there's definitely only one one uh, comp. But but absolutely to your point, you, you can complicate it. It's a bit like uh, you know your program. Mm. You can end up turning it inside out if if you if you're not too careful. So um, um, that's probably the challenge. Yeah, it's the challenge for us. Don't get too tricky. Mm. Uh, and for management, I think it'd be good for them to keep that in mind as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not being judgy by any means. I mean, as I said, there's far smarter minds uh, in positions than than mine, uh, for sure. And there's a lot of moving parts, as we said. Things are being cancelled, postponed, changed. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we're just complicating it a little bit much. Um, talking about, you mentioned there the event camp. Um, what What's the event camp uh, for at the moment? It's on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the Aussie team is up there. What What's that event camp for? I think it uh, was basically just trying to get everyone together. Um, we, we had it last year, and I think it was the first time they'd had it for a while. Back in the day, you know, we used to have these... Big event camps and um, Shannon's hotline. <laughs> Drew McGregor, I'll call him back. <laughs> um, uh, and then you know, like I, I, I went overseas and stuff, and I think they didn't do them or they did them separately. Um, but last year they brought it back, and it was the whole event camp. So you have a breaststroke group. I was on that breaststroke group. Um, you have a head coach of each group, uh, stroke, um, and uh, um, they have a distance group, a sprint group, medley, all that sort of stuff. So they're doing that again this year. Um, 
and um, I, I was heading up the, the sprint group, female sprint group, but unfortunately I had to um, uh, take myself out of, out of it. But, but basically I had to select a group um, and then you had uh, two coaches that assist you. One's in a mentorship role. Um, so, you, so you're trying to bring a whole bunch of the best swimmers together uh, a large group of coaches um, and you're just interacting, you know, which I think is a good thing because, you know, we're in such an isolated profession a lot of the time. Um, you know, like I've been in my role now, uh, I'm coming up to four years and uh, I've been working on my own for four years. So, mm. uh, you know, um, so that those sorts of camps and if you're not on those camps, any other time you're, you're interacting with coaches is, um, at swim meets, isn't it? So Yeah. Well, mate, you're 100% right, and that's, you know, half the reason why um, – well, not half. <clears throat> no, that's maybe a bit too much, but it's it's a strong reason why I should say, you know, starting the podcast and getting to talk to you and getting to talk to athletes and other coaches is because so much of my time is is on pool decks that are by myself. And as you said, you don't you don't get that opportunity to lend somebody's ear or get a bit of advice or you know whatever it may be. So um, that's why I love doing this because there's a lot of coaches, even at state, that came up to me and said they're loving our podcast. By the way, thank you to all those people who are listening that that enjoying it. Um, and you know, I had quite a lot of feedback um, about the Shannon Rollison podcast, positive stuff, which was awesome. And yeah, they're just enjoying you know hearing you and your stories and then relating it to their own. So um, I think what we're doing is a good thing. It does help for those people, as you said, that are sort of would you say like four years sort of on Pauduk by yourself? It can get quite lonely. You can get stuck in your own head a bit, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you, you probably don't realise just how isolating the profession is, you know. Um, and it's gone quite fast, you know. Mm. I sort of think four years, geez. So gets back to what we were talking about at the start. But yeah, I had I had some good feedback. Um, a couple of coaches, you know, said they were enjoying it. And um, at Christmas, I sent uh, a couple of be Christmas best wishes to some former athletes uh, back in Denmark, Raga and Janetta, mm. and uh, hello to them. And uh, yeah, and and they said, oh, you know, th th they knew about it, so so that was nice. Um, so yeah, so hopefully people are getting something out of it. Yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, a lot of people are, mate. A lot of people are. Um, now, I wanted to ask you. Obviously, you're a, you're a man of the people. You're a man of the the world. You're a world travelled man. Have you caught up with anybody lately? Is, is there any sort of uh, people from overseas or or within Australia that you're catching up with? That you you know you're getting in. For, you, we just talked about it there. You know, sort of being isolated. And you're someone what well, I've admired a lot from in terms of you know you're constantly seeking more information and and all that sort of stuff. You never really strike me as someone who feels like oh no I know what I know and. Uh, don't worry about telling me otherwise. There's always something more to look for. Uh, what have you been up to lately in in that sort of professional development realm? Have you have you learned anything? Have you caught up with anyone? Uh, yeah. So um, I'm catching up with Matt Trodden uh, on Friday. Um, Special and... guest of the podcast. What was that number three or number four? 
Did well in the ratings, by the way. You can let him know. That's one of our highest rated shows, Matt Troddens. Oh, I'll let him know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think, was it? I don't think it was that earlier. I, I think we'd had a few practice runs by the time Had we? we got Matt on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, might have been number five. Four or five. Maybe that's why we'd like that. honed our craft by that stage. We're yeah. a well-oiled machine. <laughs> no, so catching up with Matt, he, he's he's got a young um, young Charlie who's started walking. So Matt will mm. be in trouble. Yeah, yeah, on the move. <laughs> He'll have to put that bike to good use. He's still, he rides his bike, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I showed you that picture. He rides. He puts with his the dog. dog in his backpack. And <laughs> yes. puts on the dog. <laughs> that was gold. <laughs> um. Riding through the meadows. <laughs> the uh, Anyway, um, and the meadows isn't like a, it's a big park in Edinburgh. I used to walk through there to work. Great place. Um, yeah, and then I caught up the other day with Ricky Jorgensen, and, um, who's uh, a Danish um, swim coach. But uh, he, when I, I met Ricky when I first got into Denmark and he was coaching, and then um, he his wife's Dutch and uh, she competed at the Sydney Olympics in triathlon. And Ricky was a very good swimmer, went to college in the US and they were moving to um, the Netherlands. And I ended up renting at Ricky's house and we've stayed in touch and been friends ever since. And um, uh, he does um, works a bit in the corporate world, still does a bit of coaching um, on the side and stuff. And uh just a really good guy to talk to and, and quite a positive character. And um, so I've always I've always kept in touch um, ever since. So going on nine years now or something. Hmm. So I um, hadn't spoken to him for a couple of months and we caught up uh, probably a fortnight ago and um, they're moving back to Denmark, um, back to the house and stuff and uh, – he was telling me he he'd just been in Denmark doing a presentation and stuff, and he was talking about um, burning your ship. Have you ever heard of that term? No, I haven't. Yeah, so it's basically it's about commitment, and it's, it's funny. Um, I'd always thought about you know when you think back and reflect on your career and stuff, and um, it it's it's much easier to burn your ship when you're. Yeah, when it's just yourself, it's a little bit harder when you're married and it's a lot harder when you've got kids. Um, and what we what I meant by that is um, wh- when I look back, I look back at big decisions, you know, so so reverse periodization was a, a, was a form of burning my ship. Um, it was a, a safe one because I was... I didn't move club, I didn't move state, I didn't do anything, but I basically walked away from a, the style of coaching I was and I I went down that path uh, and it's something, you know, that I've been doing now for the last 22 years. Um, so that was probably my first little, what you would call a big decision. Um, and, and a lot of people sort of uh, said, don't do it, you know. Yeah. Um then the next time I and this I really did burn my ship this time um, when I moved from Chandler who had been there for 13, 13 years and uh, um, I moved to Canberra uh, to go to the AOS and how how did I burn my ship I sold 
uh, my property. I had um, I started buying property quite young. Uh, I was like 22. I bought my first place, and I had three places. And it, now I burnt I burnt my ship by by selling my properties and move. I, I was fully committed to the Canberra move. Yeah, I didn't hold anything back in Brisbane, um, so that if it didn't work out, I could come back. And burning your ship is that, you know, like uh, he sent me this video and it's basically people, um, they, yeah, they'd come on, you know, the old sailboats in the 1700s and they burnt the ship. So they couldn't go back to where they came from. They had to make it work. Mm. Um, and uh, so that's basically what I did. You know, there, there was no going back to Brisbane. Um, and then I moved to Denmark um, and I had... Uh, you know, good good success there. But I didn't fully burn my ship because while it was a very big move uh, and there was no coming back to a job or anything, but I could always come back to the house because I didn't sell the house. Yeah. I didn't quite burn my ship. If I had burnt the ship, if I had sold the house in Canberra, it would have been much more difficult to come back to Australia. Mm. Um, and I came back for family reasons. Um, but if I had have sold that house, I, I, I would have had to, I wouldn't have had that option, you know, um, yeah. as readily. So that's what we mean by burning your ship. You're fully committed. You're 100%. This is where I'm going. There's no way back. Um, we have to make this work. So he, he'd been talking about that and he was talking to me and I went, oh, yeah, that's, I've, I've had to do that a couple of times. So, um, yeah, and I think, you know, while um, probably financially I could have done better to keep my plate, a couple of places back in Brizzy, uh, but, you know, they're decisions you have to make in coaching, isn't it? Do you want to uh, be... You know, more financial off, or are you being 100% committed to, to coaching? Um, you know, a lot of coaches play safe. You know, they stay, they don't move clubs, they stay where they are. You know, Queensland coaches are like that. You know, they, oh, we just stay in Queensland. I, I always describe it, they stay in Queensland. They're, they're like people sitting under apple trees and they're just hoping that a really good apple hits them on the head. <laughs> um, and uh, probably offended Queensland now, but anyway, <laughs> I burnt my ship. I'm not going back there. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think when you do that, you, you know, you, you, to get that real success, you need to make that real commitment. I mean, we talk about that to our athletes and about being 100% committed. And a lot of times when coaches are saying that, they haven't done that with their own career. Mm. You know, they've got a foot in both camps. Like when I started the reverse periodization, I didn't err on the side of caution. I just jumped off the cliff. <laughs> um, and, and you know, you know they, they talk about, you know, people who make millions and stuff, they, they lose it, a lot of their money, before they become really wealthy. You know, like you have to take those risks. Um, and athletes have to take risks. They have to try something new, whether it's uh, tech, technical change or 
moving um, to another coach or um, starting a new program. Like all the athletes that I was coaching when I did started reverse periodization, they all had the option to leave mm. or stay. And those that stayed benefited. But that was a big decision, you know, for them. Maybe they didn't realise it so much at the time, but that that was a that was a risk, you know. So I think yeah, it's probably a good thing to stop and just think about your own career. And you know, are you just being safe and plodding along, or are you, you know, making some some risks? And then are you fully committed? To that decision yeah um so yeah in, in some ways yeah when you went to queensland you know that that was just jumping off and yeah seeing what what, what was going to happen you didn't you know like it, it's oh, always safer when yeah. you well i landed at that state school that pool i had no idea what i was in for i've never mm. seen a state school pool like that before they, mm. they don't have them down here in sydney and no one up in queensland told me oh yeah state school that's just a little 25 meters where the lanes aren't even normal size lanes so um and then you, as you said just make it work i mean i walked in i thought what the hell is this this wasn't on the in the photos and um and yeah yeah just yes. said just had to make it work yeah, yeah, it's it's one of my favourite sayings. I've mentioned it, you know, Peter, by Peter Brock. You know, bite off as much as you can chew and chew like hell. Mm. Um, and the the thing is, it's you know, again, it, it, you've got a window to do that. And the younger you are, the bigger the window. The older you get, the harder that gets because of family and all those other things. So you have more things in your life that prevents you or makes it harder to burn that ship you know yeah. like if i was on my own or it was just elsbeth and i we would have burnt the ship here in canberra so yeah. we had two kids and you know i had to well we both had to think about that so mm. but if if we if it had been 2008 and ethan was five and ava was one we probably would have burnt the ship then as well but yeah, it it's interesting, years isn't it? Down the track, you know. So yeah. I always sort of look back and think, you know, I, I would have done the Brisbane thing if I had moved to Europe earlier. Yeah. So it's interesting because you and and you sort of you're a classic example of this. Even if you know, saying it's harder to burn the shit when you've got uh, family and and a wife and kids. Um, but sometimes you know you're in that supportive environment where your wife says, "No, look, I I, I back you. Let's do it." So you go anyway, so okay, oh, it's easier to, but, but then, you know, you're not in control of how their experience is when mm. they go overseas, is it? So, you know, you could be enjoying yourself, going, I really enjoy it. And then you come home and as you said, and, you know, rightly you've, you've pointed this out in the stories on the podcast, sometimes though the family around you aren't enjoying that sort of as much as you are. And then in which case you've got to take stock and as you guys did. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So. So yeah, so you know, my advice to to anyone who's thinking about it, uh, moving or, or going somewhere, yeah, you know, do it earlier in your career if you can. Um, probably the flip side of that is right when you're getting older and your your family's grown up, then you can afford to do things as well. It's it's those middle years 
that's always you know more difficult mm. um but um you know so my advice would do it sooner rather than later but if you're going to do it commit you know really make a commitment out of it um because then you you know, you'll coach on that on that edge you'll you'll everything everything just becomes a little bit more alive yeah coach that's do you think you coach a bit more with a point to prove at that point yeah i think so I, it's like a lot of things whether you know if, if you you know you're working for someone and then you decide to make a um a, a, you know your own business yeah you're really committed you, you yeah you have got a point to prove um you've got to make it work i, I can remember thinking that in the yeah, as I was leaving Australia, because I, I went on my own, and the family followed later. I, I can remember going, "Holy shit!" And and you know, coming into land and that, and uh, I was like, "I've got to make this work." And, yeah. and, and remember the first few months, you know, when I was trying to find my feet and stuff, and going, you know, but also arriving on pool deck and going. All right, bring your A game, mm. you know. Um, and they all wanted to run you out of town, didn't they? The swimmers, they didn't they weren't they openly saying we don't want him? Oh no, not not no, not <laughs> to that extent. Um, but um, uh, yeah, there there was you know there was hesitation. Let's there was say hesitation, yeah, yeah, because I was you know they didn't know me. Yeah. Uh, and then they themselves took a risk, you know, yeah. um, because the program I I started was nothing like what they were doing previously. I mean, there was similarities, but but from a you know a, a prescribed um, point of view, there there wasn't. But ha- having said that, um, you know, the people who knew Paulus and 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 myself, who obviously would be working with both and. Um, uh it's seen yeah the similarities were um commitment uh and standards so it didn't matter that the sets were different the standards that we both uh were asking of of the athletes were similar Mm. so um so i think that uh was probably you know that was the common thread that you know the athletes could hold but they were a bit like hmm well this is different to what we've done let's <laughs> wait and see yeah but yeah you know um they themselves a bit like what i said about the you know reverse periodization with the guys at chandler that, that they could have left and, and and rightly so you know when i rocked up in threat uh in denmark in copenhagen there you know half the group could have left yeah you know so, yeah, but they, they didn't. So um, they gave me a go. Yeah, um, I've got to say because when you started this burning your bridge, uh, burning your ship, sorry, um, sort of uh, you know conversation, and it, it made me think. And are you a Batman fan? Oh yeah. Okay. If so... I could be a superhero, <laughs> I'd be Batman. <laughs> okay. So it's one gonna... of the questions. One of the questions I like to ask people: Is If that... you could be a superhero, who would you be? Oh, okay. There you go. Um, I'd be Flash because I just I just think how quick is he? He could just he could be anywhere at any time, just gone. Um, yeah, so uh, Batman, Dark Knight Rises. So you'll 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 understand he's in the he's in the in the pit. Yeah, and he's trying to jump out, and he keeps jumping with the rope. Yeah, 
and he keeps Absolutely. missing, and then all of a sudden he takes the rope off, yeah, and uh, and he makes that jump. So similar to your sort of analogy of you know he burned his ship at that point. He said, "Well, there's no Absolutely. coming back from this. I either make it or or I don't." Yeah. No, that, that's that is an absolute perfect uh, scenario. While he had the rope, he knew he had. It was like having a safety net, isn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, you know, he had his training wheels still on. Yeah, he took that rope off. Yeah, I forget what the guy said, but the guy said something like that. It was, you know, the blind guy. Mm. Yeah, no, I've got. No, I can't remember what he said. It was. I'm going to go back of, and have a look at that. <laughs> it was something sort of profound, and yeah, yeah, I just, I just remember. Yeah, as you were talking, yeah, it just reminded me of, um, you know, him taking that rope off and, and away he went. Now, mate, we're going to start in 2022. I mean, the whole Shannon Rollison podcast is really a, a whole podcast about stories in any case, but um, we're going to start a segment this year called Story Time, and uh, and this week we're kicking off with uh, a stories or, or a story sorry of with Don Talbot now Don was um obviously a hugely influential figure on you but also just you know swimming here in Australia wasn't he and and for for quite a long time um and we've you know we've discussed Don um quite a bit on the podcast some some good stories and funny stories and lessons learned as well along the way and um, and we've even discussed of having a, a podcast where we do get a few other coaches on and have a, a whole Don uh, Talbot um, episode. But, mate, story time. What do you got for us this week? Yeah, no, there's there's plenty of them with Don. Um, and uh, I, as if people don't know, I, I was a huge Don Talbot fan. Um, and uh, um, was fortunate enough to spend – quite a lot of time with Don um, when I was young. And uh, uh, so I first, when did I first meet him? It must have been the mid-90s. I was on my first team with him in 97. And and if you listen to Tomo and I on that uh, podcast we did, we, that was the 97, some of those stories. But the one that comes to mind was the 2001. Now, um, uh, we we were going to the Mare Nostrum and I, I was going, I, I was the head women's coach and I think uh, Doug Frost was the head men's coach and Don didn't like you going to three meets. Um, so you're only allowed to go to, uh, no, back then it was four. It was four meets, but he only liked you going to two but, and then he, he wanted everyone back home and they were getting ready for the world champs which Australia beat the US at those world champs in 2001. So it was before that. So we were over there. We had two meets. The first meet um, was we were somewhere on our own and Doug and the, the men's group were somewhere. And then we were meeting up in Rome. And, uh, and so the men and the women were all in Rome and uh, we came in. And Rowan... Um, Rowan, Rowan Taylor, current Australian head coach, he was supposed to be on the team with me. Anyway, he had to pull off at the at the last minute, so it was just myself, and uh, so I was manager and I was, I was head coach, but in the end, I was the only coach. <laughs> and uh, with um, these sort of seven or eight girls, and uh, and you know they were, you know there was 
a, a couple of youngsters that were about 17 or something, but there was, uh, I think Elka Graham was on that group with me and um, a couple others. Yeah, so they were quite seasoned veterans and um, and so I had a real mixed group. And every, being a young guy, you know, I was, uh, was 29 and uh, I had all the coaches giving me, you know, what they had to do. So I was trying to keep up their workloads. I had paper coming out my ears. <laughs> and uh, I, mean, I think Narelle Simpson was coaching Elka at the time and um, I had like four full-scap pages for Elka. Anyway, so um, we went there. Uh, first meet was in Cannes, second meet in Rome. And pretty sure, like, Don back then, he, he didn't allow anyone to wear suits in the heats. You had to make the final without a suit and then you could put a suit on and stuff and um anyway we'd had a, a bad um and that wasn't that uncommon back then you know um yeah. so we'd had a bad session in the morning we're in rome and don don was telling me all these stories about in you know in 1960 how he was hiding behind the hedge because coaches back then weren't allowed to be coaching or something like that it was 1960 rome olympics and yeah he's just telling me all these old stories about the pool and fantastic pool if you if you haven't been to the rome pool you know it's outdoors there's the indoor 50 meter pool full of mosaics and quite spectacular you know, i'm listening to all these don stories and rome stories anyway so we have a the heat session and um uh it, it, people were in lane one lane eight some people were missing finals um don's just going off you know he's, <laughs> he's flying a gasket jan cameron was there and with the new zealanders and stuff and and she was chatting to me and stuff and you know, don won't be happy i'm like no, no he's <laughs> this and that anyway so everyone's sort of copping it and um so we're getting on the bus and um don was always walking back anyway i like to walk but up but rome's a bit like it's a bit busy so I hadn't walked, done any walking back at this stage. Anyway, so um, one of the uh, – someone gets on the bus and says, oh, Don's walking back. Anyone walking back with him? And Doug says to me, walk back with him, Shannon. <laughs> like <laughs> try and get him in a better mood because Don was in the cars, I'm in the cars. So we had, had that sort of connection outside of swimming. So anyway, so I, I jump up, off I go, I walk with Don. Anyway first three or four blocks i'm just hearing copping it and stuff this isn't good enough and that's not good enough and blah 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 anyway um i uh i said to him you know i've got all these people yeah this coach and this coach wants me to do that and that coach wants me to do that anyway he's just stopped dead and he he grabbed my arm and he said shannon just coach them like they're your own anyway and i thought well, one, I thought, am I allowed to do that? But, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I knew exactly what to do then. So um, so anyway, so we keep walking, and I, I see a little Fiat 500, and I said, oh, have a look at that. Anyway, eventually I get him off the swimming chat, and um, he starts telling me stories about cars and, and stuff. Next minute, we stop. We've been walking for about, I don't know, half an hour, 35 minutes. I'm thinking, where's this hotel? And he goes... Where are we? 
I said, I don't know. I was just, I thought you knew the way. He goes, I don't know where we are. I said, this is my first time to Rome. You're telling me about stories from 1960. What do you mean we're lost? <laughs> there he goes, I'm hungry. Let's get something to eat. So we go into a cafe and then I had to pay for it because he didn't have his wallet on him. <laughs> and we had to get a cab because we were lost back to the hotel. So it was, it was very good, but it cost me a bit. Anyway, um, that afternoon I go into the finals and Jan says to me, how was your walk back with Don? Anyway, and I tell telling her and stuff and and then I told her what um he said about just treat them like they're your own. And uh and she said, So what are you gonna do? I said, I'm gonna do it. So that warm-up that night I had all these like the the coaches had prescribed it was like to the letter, right? Mm. And uh and everyone came in and I said, Right, I'm doing the warm-up, we're all doing this is what we're gonna do. Anyway, I had people in like Linda McKenzie was on there and stuff, and and uh, she was quite young then, about seventeen. Anyway, they just they fired, you know, they off they went, and and we had people winning medals from lane ones and eights and stuff like that. And it was a great piece of advice, something I never forgot. And and I think for anyone who's out there, you know, trying to, uh, you know. To the letter, um, word for word, documented by the home coach, the athlete's much better off with um, working with you and you looking at what the athlete looks like in the water and talking to them about how they feel and then prescribing what you think rather than having some prescribed um, four-page document that was written three weeks earlier. So my <laughs> advice to anybody is talk to the coach who's taking them if they're on a team. Let that coach coach the swimmer. You know, um, and and obviously you try to um, give them as much insight into what they're like and how they operate. But you've you've got to be able to do that uh, and. Whenever I've been, um, I always you know, send a, a swimmer off on a team, allow that coach to, to, to coach and, uh, and, and the same in reverse. If, if I've got three or in the past, I've had three or four on, on the team or, or two on the team and then, you know, Athens Olympics, I had two on the team and looked after another two. Well, it was just all how I saw them, you know, and uh, that's say it was Gian Rooney and, um for, for Athens and uh so it was a great piece of advice he gave me um <laughs> we got to see a bit of Rome <laughs> I wouldn't be able to take you back and um but uh Don Don was always good for for that you know and and it was those little nuggets every time I was with Don I got something like that you know that mm. uh, that's held me in good stead yeah well mate absolutely it's a great story you tell there and i think <clears throat> to your point that's probably why the podcast is so popular with people because it's, it's those little nuggets that you know even for yourself that you don't realize that you're putting out there that people start to take away and uh and learn from so 
Um, mate, great story. I can't wait for the next story time. I think um, I can't wait for actually for the Don Talbot sort of uh, episode because I think, um, and it's not to stitch him up or anything. He's such an iconic figure in, in Australian swimming and so influential on, on many coaches. So I think there's going to be, you know, great stories to tell in terms of lessons learnt, but also some funny stuff about, you know, you guys getting lost. I honestly thought that story was going to end up at a pub with you guys <laughs> having a drink. No, no, Don, Don didn't drink. Like, no? We weren't allowed to drink. Yeah, oh, okay. that was his rule and stuff like that. Mm. Um, no, nah, there's Don, there's some good ones. I won't t- say anything more because I'll, I'll ruin it for next time. But, um, nah, the fact that he didn't have his wallet on him, uh, would be no surprise to a lot of people. <laughs> he ended up buying me lunch in 2006. Okay, so page it back eventually. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was in Melbourne uh, during the Commonwealth Games, yep. and um, he took me to lunch. And uh, I think I was a rarity. Mm. Five years later, he <laughs> paid, he paid you back. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, mate. Listen, I think we'll wrap it up there. That's been a, a good kickoff to to twenty twenty two, and and you know we've gone through obviously state champs and all that sort of stuff, and uh, for all the listeners out there, we've got some good stuff coming up planned. Shannon and I actually when we end this recording and going to have a little planning session in terms of what else we've got coming but definitely we talked about it earlier shannon's favorite commonwealth games of all time 20 uh sorry 2002 um this is the 20 year anniversary of that we're going to go back and cover that in the next few weeks as well um, as well as some special guests coming on and we'll get back to our regular format but we thought since it was a kickoff uh for 2022, we'd keep it pretty loose today and just sort of talk about things that are happening and going on at the moment. So hope you guys enjoyed it. How do you feel, Shannon, being back behind the mic? Yeah, no, it was good. It's like riding a bike. That's it. Once you get going, that's fine. Um, I always find that um, every time I have a break and then, you know, two or three months go past or whatever it is, I remember once I had that 18-month break. I hadn't done anything and I was kicking back off with Gian Rooney. I thought, oh, shit, how am I going to start? I haven't done anything. In- yeah, I know. And, um, and yeah, she just looked after me. Every question I asked, oh, that's a great question, Robbie. And then I was like, was it though? But she just made it sound like it was a, a great question and, and away we went to your points, just like riding a bike. So, mate, it was good to be back. It's good to chat with you. Hopefully uh, your listeners out there got a lot out of today and um, make sure you tune in again next week for some more of the Shannon Rollison podcast. But until then, uh, we'll see you all next week. Yeah, looking forward to it, Robbie. Chat soon. See you, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>